In Acts chapter 15, we're going to look at the life of Silas. Now, you know we've been walking through the book of Acts over the last few weeks. We have been kind of walking through that booklet that you have, hopefully you have in your hand, and we've been kind of studying, looking at different individuals. You know, not the main ones, not the ones that we always talk about when we're in the book of Acts, like Peter or, or, or Paul. We're talking about the kind of the, the secondary characters. We're talking about those supporting cast, if you will, within the church. And the reason we're doing that is because all of us here today, guess what we are? We're the supporting cast. We're the ones that, that, that God uses to continue to grow His church, to continue to strengthen His church, to continue to make a difference in His church. And so we're learning from them, we're learning from their journeys, learning from their, their actions, learning from their, their, their heart and their willingness to serve of how God used them to do something extraordinary. Extraordinary things done by ordinary people, and today that's what I want to experience I want to see that in my own life, and I pray that you want to see that in your life as well. How God uses us in all of our failings and all of our faults, and God uses us to do something that is off the charts extraordinary. Now listen, here's what you need to understand. God has promised to do it. Have you ever read Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 where it says that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think? And that means that the passage very clearly tells us, and the way that I like to read it, is that our God is able to do in our lives and through our lives more than we are smart enough to ask for. Think about that for a moment. Everybody in this room, man, we think we're smart, right? We think we've got it together. We think we know what's going on. And yet what God's Word tells us is God is able to do more through you than you could even conjure up, than you could even think about, you could even process in your journey, in your minds. That's what our God is able to do. And so we need to recognize that while our God is able to do that, the only thing that can keep our God from doing that is who? Us. We're the ones that stop the extraordinary from being done within the church. And so that's the story, honestly, of what we're going to talk about today. Now, we are going to talk about the life of Silas. A guy who appears in Acts chapter 15, and, and probably, just so you know, there might be a little bit of confusion on like who this guy Silas is. Like in the book of Acts, Luke calls him Silas. If you go over low into, you know, 1 Corinthians or 1 Peter, uh, 1 Thessalonians, or 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, what you'll find is he's, he's referred to as a different person. His name is different. It's Silvanus. Now, the reason there's two different names for the same guy is not that like he, you know, changed his name down the road or, you know, or like, you know, Saul to Paul. No, it's because Silas is the Jewish name. And so he was a a Jewish person there in the church in Jerusalem. So that's his Jewish name. That's what Luke gives to us. But then when you look at it in the other parts of scripture, Silvanus, that is the Latinized version of his name. In other words, because he's a Roman citizen and because his ministry was to the Gentiles to go out on the second missionary journey with Paul, that's the name that they refer to him as, same person, same mission, same heart, serving the same God. And so I just wanted you to know that. That really is not like a kind of an important part, but it is important when you're reading different parts of the Scripture that you know who the people are that you're reading about, what, you know, what's being said about them, that that's the same guy. Now Silas was someone who appears right after there was this moment in the church in Jerusalem. Now, maybe if you're looking in your Bibles, you'll see in Acts chapter 15, the first part of that passage, it tells you that there was a a conflict that was taking place within the church in Jerusalem. That sounds weird, doesn't it? A conflict in the church? I mean, can you imagine such a thing? How is that even possible? 
And see, they were gathering together there in Jerusalem just a few years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. They're gathering together there, and, and as they come together, here's what happened. There was a group of there within the church who stood up, and when all the apostles got together, the disciples got together, the leaders of the church got together, there was this one group that spoke up that, that decided in this meeting, they were having a business meeting, a church meeting, talking about what's going on and kind of getting reports, and they're having their annual convention. You know, they, you know, I don't know, went to Nashville and maybe rented a room and had a, had a big meeting together there. And as they were doing that, there was this one group who kind of a, connected themselves with the Pharisees. Now, it's interesting, it is important to recognize that, that this group who had identified themselves with the Pharisees is now kind of in leadership in the church. And that's an important thing. And then also it's a very good thing. It's a, it's an encouraging thing because what it tells us is that even that, you know, those bad people, the Pharisees, you know, that we always talk so badly about that in scriptures, whenever they appear, like they don't appear like in a, in a really good light, that yet they still can actually have hope to change, right? So their leadership, their leadership within the church, which is great, but, but yet in this moment, here's what they did. They stood up and they said something that we have never heard about, we've never understood. In our world today, in our church today, in 2021, we can't even imagine that someone would actually have the gall or have the, you know, the ability to stand up in a church meeting to say, wait a minute, this is not the way we've always done it. Does that sound weird to you? Can you imagine such a thing in the church? That's what the group said. Hey, listen, listen, we need to do something different because this is the way we've always done it over here. And now you're doing things a little bit different and we don't like it. That's what was taking place. And so in Acts chapter 15, the first couple of verses there in that passage, it says, hey, listen, if you go all the way back to the law of Moses, this is what the law said, that that if someone comes to Christ, if someone is going to follow the law, if someone's going to be a a part of this family, that they need to be circumcised. And so therefore, now, Peter, you're out there, you're preaching the gospel to people like outside of Jerusalem, how dare you, and you're sharing the gospel with them, and they're getting saved, but yet you're not telling them to do what we've done all the way back to the time of Moses. They're not doing it the way that we've always done it. And so there was some arguments that took place, some disputes, some conversation that took place in that meeting. Now, Peter, who, of course, is, you know, kind of the leader there, he stands up and he begins to to share with them why it's so important that we recognize that we are saved by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ, period. That's an important distinction, isn't it? Even today, in today's church, in today's world, there are so many people that think salvation comes through, through Christ. They don't, they don't dispute that, but then they add a lot of stuff onto it, right? Like, well, wait a minute, this is the way we've always done it. You know, this is the way we've always, we've, we've gone. I mean, how dare us change this whole thing about coming to Christ, you know, when, 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 man, you're supposed to look like this, you're supposed to act like this, you're supposed to talk like this, you're supposed to do it this way. And what happens is, is that we fall into that same trap where we do what they did in Acts chapter 15, and we argue over what does salvation consist of. And so Peter stands up in that meeting and reminds them, listen, we believe that salvation by grace, through faith, through believing in Jesus Christ, that's how we're saved. I don't know about you, but it sounds like to me Peter had a pretty good message that day, don't you think? And so in that conversation, they heard what Peter had to say. And then Paul and Barnabas gets up, and, and they get up, and, and they start talking about what they've been doing and ministering as they've been out on that, that missionary journey. They've been preaching the gospel in different places. And so they share with the, the group that's gathered there 
all of the different stories of, of, of lives that have been changed. It was testimony time in the church in Jerusalem. And they're sitting there and they're hearing all these great stories of what God has been doing in the lives of, of individuals. And then it goes on to say that James speaks up after that. So this is like, like all the big dogs, right? All the big names are there in this meeting and they're speaking. First Peter and then Paul and Barnabas and now James. And then James says, no, listen, this is what we must do. This is how we must act. This is what we must stand on. And so it's from that context, from that, that conversation, which is called the Jerusalem Council, as they gathered there in Acts chapter 15, that's where we are introduced to this guy named Silas. And so I want to read this passage to you. It's from Acts chapter 15, beginning with verse 22. And I want to read this passage because this is where we learn and meet this guy that we're going to talk about today that we can learn so much from. Acts chapter 15, verse 22, it says this, Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church... So again, after the conflict, after the disputes, after the church meeting, the business meeting, after all the things, like this is the way we've always done it. The apostles, the elders, with the whole church, they decided to select men from among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And they chose two people, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. They wrote this letter to be delivered by them. From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers from among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Because we have heard that some to whom we have given no authority went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts. We have unanimously decided to select men and send them along to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. Now, it's important that we, before we kind of move on here, that, that we see a couple of great things here. In verse 25, it says there, we have unanimously decided. Now, that's an important distinction, because what had they just been doing? Somebody tell me, what had they just been doing? They had been arguing, right? They had been fighting. There was this kind of big dispute, this big conversation. Acts chapter 15 tells us that. And so they had this conversation, they had this argument, they had this dispute, they heard from all the voices, they talked about it, they reasoned among themselves. And here's what's beautiful about the picture of the body of Christ, that even different voices, when they come together with the right heart, serving the one God with the same mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when you come with different, different perspectives and different likes and different wants and different desires, God can bring you together in unity. Man, that's so important. It breaks my heart when I hear of churches that split. It breaks my heart when I hear of, of, of brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ who, who get in these arguments and they never talk to each other again and they sit on opposite sides of the room because you won't, just, you won't believe what that person did to me. And this is just an important statement. We have unanimously decided, here's what they did. They got together and they did exactly what God's Word tells us to do when there is disagreement, to get together, to talk about it, to pray about it, and to work it out. Now, that has nothing to do with the sermon that we're talking about today, the passage. But man, what a great lesson for us today. Unity is important within the church. And so it says that they unanimously decided to select men and to send them to you. And here's why. Because there have been people who have come to you and have unsettled your hearts. In other words, they've given you some bad information. 
And so they chose Judas, they chose Silas, they sent them out with Paul and Barnabas. And so we see in our notes today that Silas was chosen, along with Judas, he was chosen to continue the work. To continue the work that God had called them to do. To continue doing exactly what it is that God had called them to do, had challenged them to do, had sent them to do, to reach a world that was desperately away from Christ and needed to know what it is that God had done through His Son, Jesus. And so it tells us in this passage, verse 22, that, that they decided to select these men to talk with them, and they sent them out. And here's why. Because the apostles knew that they couldn't do the work all by themselves. They knew that everybody had to work together. It was all hands on deck if we're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what's changed in the last 2,000 years. Nothing. Nothing has changed. If we're going to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, can we leave it up to the preachers to make that happen? I hope you know the answer is absolutely not, right? You know that, right? If you leave it up to the preachers, if we leave it up to the Billy Grahams of the world to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to fail miserably. But when we do it together, when we stand together, when we serve together, when we share the load of reaching our communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ, man, here's what's really beautiful. Here's what happens. We actually can pull it off. And that's what God has called us to do. And so the apostles knew that if we're going to continue this work, if we're going to continue to reach people with the gospel, they needed to have others to come alongside. And that's why Silas was chosen. He was chosen to be a part of that, that journey. But he wasn't just chosen randomly. It's not like they just figured, hey, yeah, let's see. Somebody over here, raise your hand. Just somebody raise your hand. Okay, you, you're him. You're going to go reach the world with the gospel, okay? That's not the way they did it. Now, now this is not like saying that you're not the right guy. You, you're awesome, and I'm sure you can. But they didn't just choose a random person. If you look in this passage, it says this. It says that they chose leading men. People who had already proven themselves. People who had been doing the right thing. And so we recognize and we understand that like those that we've discovered and talked about in the previous weeks here, only a faithful track record will result in being trusted. And that is such an important statement because there are so many people who walk into a church and, and just expect to be able to go out and to, to lead and to do and to change and to make a difference. And, and, and that is an important thing and that's something we should all strive for. But here's what we've got to recognize too is that we have to make sure that, that our past meets up with our present desire. we got to make sure that what we did last night kind of is in unison with what we say we want to do here on a Sunday morning. To make sure that we recognize how we live during the week does make a difference. We cannot live like the world six days a week and then show up on a Sunday and expect that we're going to be able to make a difference and change the world and impact the world. We have to have a faithful track record. All of us, me included, every single one of us. I mean, let's be honest. If you, anybody in this room, if you happen to walk in on a Friday night and you walked into a restaurant here in town, and, and you walk into that restaurant, you're sitting down with your family for a Friday night out meal, and, and you sit down and you look over in the corner over in the bar over there, and let's say you see me sitting over at the bar. Now let's say you see me sitting there over at the bar and I've got a, you know, a, a, a bottle of something and I'm sitting there drinking and I'm partying and I'm good. Are you going to listen to what I have to say on a Sunday? I don't think you will. 
And by the way, if you would, I would encourage you to wise up and not listen to me if that's who I am. Right? Because we have to make sure that we have that right kind of testimony, that right kind of track record, that faithfulness of walking with God. And that's what Silas was. Silas was chosen to continue the work because he was a trusted member of the body of Christ because he lived it. He didn't just speak it, he lived it. And so we understand that Silas was chosen along with Judas to go and to, and to make that difference. And out of that conflict, now this, this man was introduced to us who would go out and, and to do some great things for the kingdom of God. And so while he was chosen uh, to continue the work, we also know that he was sent, and this is important, he was sent to encourage the discouraged. He was sent to actually go out and to help those who were discouraged in their faith. Now let me ask you a question, 2021, 2,000 years after what we're reading about today, are people discouraged today? I mean, seriously, are they discouraged? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the world is discouraged today. The church is discouraged today. I mean, spend some time on Facebook, spend some time on Twitter, actually don't. The world is discouraged, the world is hurting, the world is going through difficult, difficult times. And so Silas was chosen because of his faithfulness to go out and to encourage the discouraged. Hey, let me just give you a quick, like, like understanding of what God expects from you and me today in 2021. Here's what he wants from us. He wants us to do the same thing. God has called us to go out and to encourage the discouraged that are all around us. And so Silas was faithful in that. Verse 24 and 25, it says, since we've heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts. We have unanimously decided to select men and to send them to you. Silas was sent to Antioch because there were some who were troubling the church. Because they had heard of what was going on. They had heard about the the false teachers. They had heard about the grumblings that that, that were making their way back to Jerusalem. So Silas was chosen to go and to be a person who could bring some, some understanding to the church there. To actually to bring some encouragement and to bring some hope to a, to a people who were desperate. And man, I'm telling you, if it was true in 2020, uh, back in, in this time, in, in, you know, about 40 AD, man, it's true in 2021. Man, it's true right now. We've got to understand how very important it is that we will do what is necessary to bring hope to a world that is so hopeless. And there's only one way to do that. There's only one way for that to be possible then as well as now. And you'll see it in your notes. Difficult tasks like this should be tackled by people who lean on biblical truth rather than cultural relevance. I spelled cultural wrong. You get it. Cultural relevance. See, here's what was happening. Back then, people were doing things based on how they've always done it, of what was popular. They were doing things there and teaching people there about things that, that, you know, were going on at that time and seemed to be important at that time, rather than standing on truth. That's why Peter stood up and spoke those words. Hey, we believe that salvation comes through grace, through faith in Christ Jesus, period. Right? And so, that's what Peter was saying. Listen, it's biblical truth that we must stand on. 
In other words, we need today in 2021 recognize that we must always stand on truth. Being popular is not vital to the kingdom of God. Being faithful to God's word is what makes all the difference. And unfortunately today we have in so many different settings, in so many different places, churches that are leaning towards cultural relevance, leaning towards cultural popularity, leaning towards fitting in rather than standing on truth. And I would tell you today that any church that is more important, uh, the more feelings that it's more important to be accepted by the culture than it is to be standing on biblical truth, that church should shut its doors and go do something else. Churches must stand on the Word of God. We must stand on biblical truth. Why? Because if we don't, here's what we'll do, and Paul talks about this later on in God's Word, that we will be blown about by every wind of doctrine, that any word that comes along that sounds good will fall for, that we will believe in. And then we will run down paths, run down tracks that lead us away from truth. And listen, every time that you are led away from truth, let me make sure you understand what is happening. You are being led away from God because God is truth. And so that's what was happening here. They were being told, listen, this is the way we've always done it. This is what we must do. We've got to do it this way. It's not just this. They were adding to the message of the gospel. And yet in Romans chapter 10, we know that the Gospels very clearly stated that if you believe that Jesus is God's Son, if you believe that He died and that He rose again, if you believe it in your heart, confess it with your lips, guess what? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, period. And so we've got to stand on biblical truth. We've got to stand on what really matters. We've got to stand on what does God's Word say, not what does the culture say, not what is popular, not what, uh, you know, is kind of the new things that are being talked about. Man, we've got to make sure that we understand. And the only way, listen, get this, the only way that you will be able to stand on biblical truth is to be in God's Word. It's the only way. The only way to truly know what truth is, is to read truth, to stand on truth. And Silas was was faithful in that. Now Silas was faithful to bring an encouraging word. Why? Because he was standing on the Word of God. He was bringing God's Word. Remember now, verse 24 talked about it, like people were coming there and they were, they were unsettling the hearts. In other words, they were, they were stirring up dissent, they were, they were stirring up trouble, there were, there were people who were discouraged, people who were hurting, people who were getting confused about what, what does God's Word say and what is real and what is true. And listen, by the way, 2021, man, we've never seen it like this, right? It's, it's worse today even than it was then. Because there are so many different competing messages that are out there. So many different competing voices that are out there. Oh, hey, this is truth and that is truth. Hey, you've got to believe this and, you know, you've got to do it this way. And you've got to fall in line over here or you've got to fall in line over here. You've got to do this, do that. And then it gets so frustrating, so confusing. Here's why we must stand on God's Word. Because God's Word is truth, period. And so that's what Silas was there to do, bring that encouraging Word. Because the encouraging Word was God's Word. 
So in a time where people are being bombarded by negative words and negative actions like then, like now, the church should continue to remain faithful to his word. To remain faithful to his word. His word is all that matters. We've got to stand on that biblical truth. And that's why we're encouraging you to read God's word. And that's why we're constantly telling men, get into God's word, get into God's word, get into God's word. The other day I was reading uh, in, our, in our six-month reading plan, uh, I was reading Luke chapter 21. And I don't know about if you, if you read Luke chapter 21 just a couple of days ago, wow. Man, if you read, if I encourage you, go home today and read Luke chapter 21. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read it through the lens of today. Read it through like what's going on today and read Luke chapter 21. And I'm telling you, if that doesn't make you feel like now time is of the essence for us to be faithful to God's word, I don't know what can. We've got to make sure we stand and remain faithful to God's word because God's word changes everything. The only way to settle unsettled hearts is through the word of God. And so Silas continued to preach that word. And it continued to be used by God to bring hope to the people. A church that was discouraged, a church that had been attacked, a church that had been just a few years before killed for believing this message. And so Silas was faithful and he continued to be used by God to bring hope to the people. Look what it says in verse 40 and 41. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and the sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, and listen to this, strengthening the churches. Building them up. How? By bringing them hope, by bringing them truth, by standing on God's word. You see, God uses our faithfulness and our obedience to build his church. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus was speaking to Peter and he said uh, that I will build my church, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, right? So Jesus said, I will build my church, right? God doesn't need us to build his church. God chose us to build his church. You think about that for a moment. Yes, absolutely. Man, the church of Jesus Christ, Satan doesn't have a prayer against the church. But God in His infinite wisdom, God in His infinite power, God in, in His, His un, unsearchable, uh, you know, no way to understand mystery of God, in His amazing understanding of what needs to happen, God chose us to build His church. We've got to recognize that, man, God has chosen us to be a part of this great, great journey, part of this amazing opportunity of reaching out to a world that is desperate for truth and desperate for hope and desperate for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when they don't know it, that we have been called by God to take that message to the world. And only in our faithfulness to that calling and our faithfulness to that serving, that's how the world will hear the gospel. Man, we've got to be faithful, just like Silas, just like Paul, just like Barnabas, all the others that we've talked about, all the others that we've studied. We have to recognize that our obedience is critical if we're going to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, understand this, though, that in our obedience and in our faithfulness, Silas experienced this, that in that, because he lived in truth, here's what happened. He faced trouble. Now, I don't know about you. But in my 54 years, my 48 years of following Christ, guess what I've seen a lot of? Can you guess? Trouble. Man, I've been through a lot. I know you have as well. 
In fact, it seems like the closer we are to God, the more that we're following after Him, it seems like the more trouble we experience. You know, if you, again, if you've been around here a while, you heard my dad always said it, you're either just coming out of trouble, either you're, you know, in trouble right now, or you're going to get the phone call later today. I mean, that's what the Christian life is all about. It's like living in, navigating, walking through trouble. Here, in this situation, Silas lived in truth, and because of that, he faced trouble too. Look what it says in Acts chapter 16, in verse 19 and following. It says, when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone. Now, just to give you context. Uh, Silas and, was, had arrived in this place. Paul and Silas had arrived in this place. And there was a, this slave girl who had the ability to see the future. Like, she was like, you know, kind of a, a palm reader, if you will, at that time. Even though palm readers of today <laughs> are not real. But, but here, she was following around after Paul and Silas. And she was, you know, she was telling people that these people are coming with the message of God. And they're, they're, they're the messengers of the true God and all these kinds of things. And it says in the passage there in Acts chapter 16, in the first few verses there, it says that Paul got ticked off. That's not what it says. But it says something like that, right? Paul got sick of it. Paul got tired of it. Look at Acts chapter 16. It says, Paul got tired of it. So you know what Paul did? He looked at that slave girl who was demon-possessed and said, demon, come out of that woman. Now, immediately, the demon came out. Now, verse 19. So when her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, she was not going to be able to hang out at the carnival anymore and charge $15 for a palm reading. You know, that wasn't going to happen anymore. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. Now, I want to pause right here for a moment and go back to this statement. It says here that they brought them before the magistrates, they brought them before the authorities and said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. Now listen, let's kind of draw a cultural line from what was taking place there to what we are beginning to see today. The more and more that we stand on truth and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in today's culture, guess what's going to happen? More and more, we're already seeing it, that people are going to take us before the authorities or before the Facebooks or before the YouTubes or before the Twitter followers, before the world, and say they are disturbing our city with a message that is not a part of our custom. They are saying things that doesn't match up to what we believe is the cultural norm. And then what happens is this thing called a cancel culture begins to get inculcated into society and into our culture. And what ends up happening is that the culture wants to shut us up because the message that we preach doesn't line up with the message that they want to be told. Does that sound familiar to you? See, that's exactly what was taking place back in this time. They were ticked off with Paul and Silas because they were standing on truth. And so they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities. They dragged them before the magistrates and said, these people are disturbing our city. They are Jews and they are coming here with customs that we can't believe in, that we can't agree with. They're messing up what we believe to be true. Therefore, they should pay the price. Let me just tell you something. You ought to underline that passage in Acts chapter 16 in your Bible, because make no mistake, mark my words, 
We are not far from that same, that same exact thing happening today. We're not very far away. The same things are going to happen. And we're going to face that same kind of opposition, that same kind of attacks. And so it goes on to say, the crowd joined in the attack against them. And the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them and threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully, receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison. Not like just like, you know, locked up in the corner, like locked them in solitary confinement. I mean, they were locked up securely and secured their feet in stocks. They were locked up, knowing that their actions would have consequences. Paul and Silas just stayed faithful. They just kept preaching truth. And you know the rest of the story, right? So that, that night the earthquake comes, you know, all the, the, the chains fall off of them, the, 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 you know, the, the gates are open, the, you know, the, the jail cells are, are, are opened up, and they could have walked out. They didn't do that. They stayed right there. And that jailer came in thinking that he was about to lose his life because of the prisoners who had escaped. And they just, he just said, Paul, tell me how to be saved. And that's where we get that great message of the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Now listen, understand this. Trouble came because they remained faithful. But understand this. Regardless of what may come in our journey and in our lives, whether individually or whether the church body corporately at large, we must always remain true to the word of God. And we must always continue to do the work of God. I don't care what the world says. I don't care about what the culture says. I don't care about what the journalists say and what the, you know, the, the social media sites say. I don't care how much they attack us. I don't care how much they come after us. I don't care what they might say. We must always stand true and remain faithful to the Word of God and keep doing the work of God no matter what might come because that's what God has called us to do. Because that's what we must do if we're going to remain faithful to what God has called us to do. We've got to remain true. We've got to remain faithful. So, quick questions for you today. What today are you doing to influence others in truth? What are you doing today to bring truth to a world that's desperate for truth? How are you bringing hope to the discouraged? You heard us talk a little while ago. We asked the question, anybody discouraged today? We all laughed, right? I mean, it was like laughter that kind of went through the room. Yeah, there's discouraged people everywhere. There are discouraged people in this room today. What are you doing as a follower of Jesus Christ to bring hope? Third thing, what are you doing to strengthen his church? Remember, I told you, Jesus said, I will build my church, but God has chosen us to be a part of that process to help build the church. So what are you doing to strengthen the church? What are you doing to help build the church? And lastly, what price are you willing to pay to do his work? What price are you willing to pay to do his work? Silas was thrown in jail. They were beaten. And here's what they continued to do. They remained faithful. So what about you? Is it going to get tougher in the days to come to follow Christ? You bet. Are we going to be attacked for following Christ? Count on it. We already are. Are we going to be marginalized because we happen to stand on the Word of God and say the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God, and every word within its pages are absolutely true, breathed out from God, from the heart of God to the heart of man to tell us how to live and what to do and how to act? Are we going to be marginalized and attacked because we believe in that? Absolutely, we are, and we will, and we will continue to be attacked. And here's what I say. Bring it on. 
because we're not changing a bit. We must stand on the Word of God, because if we don't, we might as well lock the doors and go about our business and do something else. Truth is truth is truth, and truth will never cease to be truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the encouragement that it gives and the challenge that it brings. God, I started this sermon today by saying that it's a shot across the bow of the the New Testament church, the 2021 church. And God, it is. This passage that we've talked about today, it's a shot across the bow because we're facing all of the same challenges. The question is, will we remain true? Will we remain faithful? God, I pray that we will. And Father, in this moment, as we come to a time of decision, a time of commitment, Father, I pray for people gathered here, people watching, people listening today. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, if there's someone here in this room that has never come to the place where they have believed that salvation comes through grace, through faith in Christ Jesus, period. I pray that right now they'll make the decision, believing that Jesus is your son, that he died and that he rose again. And God, that today, Father, that they will become your child. God, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone watching, listening, Lord, that we will just be recommitted, Lord, to standing on your word, to preaching truth no matter what comes, no matter what attacks we might face, no matter the opposition, Father, that we would remain faithful to what you've called us to. And God, for that, we'll give you the praise. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment we're going to sing. An old familiar hymn of the faith, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. And today as we sing these words, as Scott leads us and we stand in a moment, man, this altar's open. Our team is here as it always is. And I just want to encourage you that if you're here today and you've never met Christ, come down here now, today. Don't wait. The world is not going to get easier. The discouragement is not going to go away. The hopelessness is not going to vanish. It's going to get worse. But when we stand on truth and we stand committed to God's word, believing that Jesus is exactly who he said he is, that he has done exactly what he has said he has done, here's what will happen. We will be able to stand no matter what comes. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow Christ, I encourage you to come down and let our team talk with you today, encourage you, pray with you, share with you who Jesus is and what he's done. Maybe today you want to come and kneel here and say, God, I want to be faithful. God, I want to stand firm. I want to stand strong. We've talked about so many, Timothy and Silas and and Stephen and Barnabas that, that have been faithful to the call. Maybe today, maybe today you need to come down here and just say, God, I'm sorry for not being faithful. Today, I begin. Maybe you want to come and kneel here and make that your prayer. Maybe you want to come and join our family here. Come and, you know, come for baptism. Well, whatever God is speaking to you, as we stand and as Scott leads us today, I encourage you to step out right here, right now. Let's stand. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I 
going to walk out of here in a minute into a world that is just as crazy and just as off the rails as it was 2,000 years ago. You're going to face stuff that maybe you never imagined that you would have to face, opposition that you never thought possible. You're going to be attacked for standing on truth. And here's what I want to just encourage you today. Double down, like dig in deeper. Get into God's Word every single day. Spend time in prayer every single day, asking God to give you exactly what you need to be able to stand, that no matter what comes, that we will stand. And let this church be always known as a place where truth is always preached, where we are always standing on the Word of God, no matter what may come. And that's only going to happen if we do it together. God bless you. Have a great day. The altar remains open. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Have a good week. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.